This is a podcast from Tbilisi International Christian Fellowship, a gathering of many nations who are one in Christ. Here we are on the very last Sunday of the year, and I thought to myself, what is the most important thing that we need to be fixing our eyes upon as we close out one very strange, very disastrous year and head into the next one? And as I consider different thoughts and doctrines and texts, I became convinced that there's nothing more important for us to fix our hearts on as we head into the unknown than the unchanging Christ himself. And if you have the spirit of God at all within your hearts, what you desire more than anything is to know Christ more deeply and to have your hands grasp him more firmly as you grow in your faith. And everything else compared with that is ultimately irrelevant. You know, there's a story uh, 100 or 200 years ago of a Welsh woman. She didn't speak English, but every Sunday she would climb over the mountains into England to sit and hear the word of God preached. And someone asked her, Madam, why is it that you go and you sit in this English service when you don't understand anything that's being spoken to you? And she said, you know, the pastor there says the name of Jesus so often, it does my soul good. And I hope you feel the same way, that more and more you want to hear the name of Jesus spoken and to have your own heart uh, open to receive more of his love, more of his grace, more of his power, and more of his presence in your life. So the text I have chosen today is a very short and simple one. It's from the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, where the unknown author to the Hebrews in his conclusion to this marvelous letter, this sermon really tells his hearers that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you know, it comes from the last chapter of this book where there's kind of a jumble of practical exhortations, but what comes immediately before this golden verse is this sentence, remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. So here are these Christians, these young Christians and their leaders one by one are passing off the stage, most likely, being arrested and executed for their faith. And the pastors and the elders and the deacons of these little churches, the people who first led these converts to faith in Christ, on whom they had leaned so heavily, are now no longer in the picture. And these baby Christians are feeling nervous and afraid, and there's great temptation for them to abandon their faith. And the author is saying to them, no, take heart, because the same Christ that strengthened and built up and encouraged those who first brought you to Jesus and established you in him, the same Jesus who was with those people is also with you. They, these leaders may have passed away, but Jesus has not passed away, passed away because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the church changes and her leaders change. They rise and they fall but our savior does not. And he promises that he's always going to be with us. He's never going to leave us or forsake us. So perhaps it's a good discipline today on the last Sunday of the year to remember those 
in the past who taught us our faith, people back in Korea or Germany or India or America who first led us to Jesus and walked with us and held our hands in those first steps of faith. Simple people, perhaps, but people who loved Jesus and knew something of his presence and his power in their, in their lives. And now those people are gone, or at least we're far away from them, and we can no longer lean on their faith. We need to learn to lean on Jesus ourselves, to go to him directly, and to learn his faithfulness in our own experience so that we have something to pass on to the coming generation. You know, what a comfort it is to know that no matter what happens, Jesus will always be Jesus. And really, this last year, 2020, turned out in a way that no one predicted. And we had all these plans and resolutions 12 months ago, all these things we were so eager to do, all these things we were depending on and determining on. And in the last 12 months, we've had to abandon those plans one by one. And there were things that we banked on that seemed absolute and solid, that we took completely for granted. And all those things have crumbled beneath us this year. And all we could really do was hunker down and wait for this plague to pass. And of course, as we look forward into this next year, we have absolutely no idea what 2021 holds for us. We're completely ignorant of our future. And there might be uh, you know, vaccination released and we emerge from this plague, or perhaps a more infectious mutation of this virus will take hold and things will get even worse. And even aside from this pandemic, there will be changes to our jobs, to our businesses, to our finances, our health, our relationships. All we know is that things will change this year. Change, hopefully for the better, we pray for the better, but quite possibly changes for the worse in our lives. And of course, our church family will change too. Again, we'll have the painful duty of saying goodbye to dear friends, students who graduate, families who move away. And of course, there'll be new students who come in and new families who move to Tbilisi. But every year is a painful reminder that this church, TICF, is in a constant state of flux. And really, it's more like living in a train station than anything else. And of course, even as things around us change, we ourselves are constantly changing. Our cells are continually replacing themselves at different rates in our bodies. And we find ourselves subject to the second law of thermodynamics, this entropy that's increasing everywhere as the amount of useful energy available decreases and everything in the universe winds down. And we ourselves are winding down and decaying along with everything else. The life of mortals is like grass, the psalmist says in Psalm 103. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it is gone and its place remembers it no more. And it's healthy to remind ourselves that we are not eternal. We are not everlasting. We're like a mist that is here for a few moments and then vanishes. And it's not just physically, spiritually, all of us are in a constant state of flux. There are ups and there are downs in the life of faith. And it's hard, isn't it, to be steadfast and immovable in our faith. It's hard to be fervent in zeal, burning in love for God. 
because all of us this year have struggled in different degrees and in different ways. We've struggled with doubts and discouragement, with sin and temptation. And if we're honest, we have to confess that our faith has been really feeble. Our love has been lukewarm. Our hope has been dim. And there are many unreliable people in our lives, but the most unreliable person is always ourselves. And what the author to the Hebrews would exhort us across these centuries is to fix our eyes on Jesus. Hebrews chapter 12, after that marvelous uh, chapter celebrating the hall of fame of faith, he says, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. You know, the longer you go in following Jesus, the more you realize the race is long and grueling. And the temptation to give up and to drop out is only going to increase as we go on year after year. And the secret of finishing, not just well, the secret of finishing the race at all is to concentrate our attention on Jesus, to shut out all distractions and lock our gaze on him. That's the only way we're going to replenish our faith so that we can keep on running. And Hebrews, this marvelous letter, directs us specifically in chapter 13 to this mighty consolation that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. There is one object on the horizon and only one object that is completely fixed. There is one person and one person only in this universe who is unshakable and completely unchanging. And that person is Jesus Christ, our shepherd, our king, and our friend. You know, earlier in the letter, the very beginning in chapter one, Hebrews quotes Psalm 102, where it says, In the beginning, Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You will roll them up like a robe, like a garment. They will be changed. But you remain the same, and your years will never end. And what's amazing about Hebrews is the author takes this psalm about Yahweh, about the eternal God, and he applies it to Jesus. Because Jesus is far greater than any human being. He far surpasses the angels. Jesus shares in God's unchanging eternity. God is immutable, the theologians say. And God's immutability in plain English means that God does not change. God does not change because God is perfect. He couldn't change for the worse because that means he no longer would be perfect. He couldn't change for the better because that would mean he was never perfect in the first place because God is infinitely perfect. He does not change. And because Jesus is the son of God, the express image of the father, Jesus needs no growth. He fears no decay. Jesus, like his father and like the spirit, is utterly unchanging. And therefore, because Jesus does not change, he is the only one, the only person worthy of absolute faith, of our total reliance, because Jesus alone offers absolute security. 
And so the immutability of Jesus, the fact that he does not change, is not some dusty theological doctrine to be dusted out of the books. Malachi 3 says, I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. The reason we're not consumed, the reason we will not die, we will not be destroyed, is because God is unchanging. And Jesus Christ, his son, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Let's, let's open this verse up and parse it out a little more. Let's reflect, first of all, on the fact that the Christ of yesterday is the same Christ today. The Christ of yesterday, the Christ of the past, of course, is the Jesus who came to this earth and walked and lived among us. Read the Gospels. I would encourage you this year to pick up either Matthew or Mark or Luke or John, one of those four Gospels, and slowly absorb the stories of Jesus in those books. Take the time in your imagination to watch Jesus heal the lame, give sight to the blind, to cleanse the leper. Watch him freely oppressed from their demons. Watch him raise the dead. Watch Jesus teaching the crowds about the love of the Father and his care and what it means to enter into his kingdom. And watch Jesus set his face like flint to Jerusalem. Watch him agonize in prayer in Gethsemane and sweat drops of blood for us. And watch Jesus carry the cross alone to Calvary to suffer and to die for our sins. This is the Christ of the past, the Christ of yesterday. But as we meditate on the Christ of yesterday, we must remember and rejoice that this Jesus we read about in the Gospels is the same Jesus we trust and worship today. He is the same Jesus, and he has not changed even the tiniest little bit for Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And then, of course, we could go and look in the other direction and look forward to the Christ of the future, the Christ of forever, the same Jesus who will come again to this earth in glory. And there I would encourage you to turn to the book of Revelation and slowly read through that book. Because blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. And in the book of Revelation, in the apocalypse, slowly absorb this majestic vision that the apostle John received on the Isle of Patmos. And in your imagination, stand with him and watch the angels and the elders and the creatures bowing in worship, adoring the lamb who was slain. Watch the son of God going forth in power to conquer the dragon and to destroy evil forever. Watch Christ in his glory descending from heaven through the clouds in glory to judge the living and the dead, to welcome the saints into the new Jerusalem, to wipe away every tear from our eyes and give us to eat freely from the tree of life. And then when you have done meditating on the Christ of the future, the Christ of forever, Remember and rejoice that that Jesus is the very same Jesus we worship and trust in today. 
He has not changed and he will not change one iota because this Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega, the one who is and who was and who is to come. This Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we can meditate on these verses even further and ask ourselves, in what areas, in what aspects of his character is Christ unchanging? We could begin, for example, with the grace of Jesus. And this is the God-man who came to this earth to announce that the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. Jesus expressed his grace by coming and eating with sinners, by touching the defiled, by forgiving sinners, by announcing the good news that the Father was waiting on the road with open arms to welcome home all who would repent and turn to him. And this Jesus, in his grace, announced, invited everyone to come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He said, him who comes to me, I will never cast out. And of course, Jesus goes to the cross and he dies for our sins as the supreme manifestation of his grace. And I want to assure you today that this gracious heart of Jesus has not decreased at all over 2,000 years. It's not a generous impulse that he made in the spur of the moment that now he, he regrets 2,000 years and, two, and a billion Christians later. You know, when we help people, or at least when I help people, I'm careful to put up boundaries to define just how much and just how long I'm going to help this person because I don't want to get sucked into their messiness and their problems. But Jesus has done no such thing. And his determination to save and to bless unworthy, sinful people has not diminished, has not faded in the least. And perhaps, like me, you have a hard time believing this in your own life, in your own history. Because over the years, like me, you've made many withdrawals from the grace of Christ, required so much forgiveness, demanded so much of his patience, and yet you've changed so little, and you think, you know, surely Jesus is not answering my prayers with quite the same eagerness as when I first came to him. Perhaps he's a little tired of me, perhaps he's a little weary of all the grace that I require of him. But Jesus Christ is the same in his grace yesterday, today, and forever. And then we can move on from the grace of Jesus to his love, because Christ does not change in his love any more than he does in his grace. Jesus, with the Father and the Spirit, loved us before the foundation of the world. And he will go on loving us when the world collapses around us. You know, our own love grows cold so quickly. And we need to continually stir ourselves up to recall the love for Jesus that we had at first. But Jesus does not need that exhortation. His love never cools down and his heart burns towards his brothers and sisters with the same fervent intensity it did 
at first. You know, there's a verse in Proverbs chapter 20, I think, that says, Many a man claims to have unfailing love, but a faithful person who can find. You know, there are a lot of guys who are like, hey, baby, I'll be yours, I'll be yours forever. But of course, we know from experience that those type of people are gone within a couple of weeks, if not sooner. And even in the best of marriages, the spark of love flickers and grows dim and has to be blown upon and revived. But Christ loves us continually with a love that is stronger than death. The never stopping, never giving up, always and forever love of God is what his heart burns with towards us. And you know, because Jesus did not begin loving me because of my goodness, he's not going to stop loving me because of my badness either. His love is not based on anything within me. It just overflows from the overflowing heart of God, the infinite and inexhaustible love of God, because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And this Jesus does not change in his sympathy either. You know, when Christ was on earth, it's so striking how he was moved. He was deeply moved by the suffering of those around him. When needy people cried out to Jesus, he never failed to stop and respond. When the disciples were trying to hold off the crowds and people bringing their little children for healing to Jesus, he demanded, no, no, these people, bring them to me. He did not stand detached and aloof. He entered fully into the pain of humanity. He took on himself our infirmities, our sorrows, our diseases. There was nothing cold or clinical about Jesus. He sees the crowds like sheep without a shepherd, and he's moved with compassion. And when Jesus stands before the grave of his friend Lazarus, with his grieving, those grieving sisters, Mary and Martha, beside him, Jesus, too, weeps in grief and in rage at the tragedy, the horror of death. And now we might wonder, now that Jesus has been exalted to the right hand of God, is he still as sympathetic as when he walked with us on earth? Or is Jesus perhaps like the baker, or the butler in the story of Joseph, who was freed from prison and went on to serve the king, but he forgot his friend Joseph in prison once he entered into his glory? Is Jesus that kind of person? And scripture assures us that the very reason that Jesus ascended to the right hand of the Father was not for his own selfish interests. He sat down at the right hand of God for our sakes to continue in full sympathy with us. Hebrews tells us elsewhere that we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with us in our weaknesses. We have one who has been made like us in every respect other than sin. And Jesus knows what it is to be a human being, to be weak, to be tempted, to suffer, to be discouraged, to feel the call of despair. He dwells with us in perfect sympathy, and our names are therefore graven on his palms, and he bears the 12 stones representing the 12 tribes of Israel on his high priestly garment, 
And he never stops interceding for us because he holds his priesthood by the power of an indestructible life. Because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And this Jesus is also unchanging in his purpose and in his commitment towards us. You know, you and I, we change our minds all the time. We have resolutions that we begin so bravely and then drop so quickly. We have projects that we begin with keen interest and then they're shoved in a drawer and forgotten as we take up something new. But Jesus is unswervingly devoted to his father's plan, to fulfilling what God has predestined from eternity. And here's the plan of God. Here is God's great project that Jesus and the Spirit fully share and share. To rescue a world cursed with sin and death, to bring to himself a great family from every tribe and tongue and nation, and to reverse, to undo the curse that has blighted all that God has created. And our great king is just as committed to this purpose as the day he ascended into heaven and commissioned his apostles. Jesus will complete what he has begun. He sits on a white horse and on his thigh is written his name, faithful and true. And that goes not only for this massive plan of salvation, but also for those small individual plans for each one of our lives. When Jesus first saved us, he swore never to abandon us, never to forsake us, never to forget us, but to grab hold of us and take us right through to the end. And because Christ is unchanging, his purposes and his commitments will be brought to pass. Every promise of God is yes and amen in Christ. Because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And finally, and there are so many other aspects of the character of Jesus we could meditate on, but finally, Christ is unchanging in his power. You know, it wouldn't matter very much if Jesus was unchanging in his grace and his love and his sympathy and commitment if in the end he proved to be too weak and too feeble to keep his promises. And of course, this happens to us all the time. And with the best will in the world, there are all sorts of circumstances that we simply cannot control. And often, I have to tell my kids, I know, I know Daddy promised, but I didn't know, we didn't know that this would happen. You know, we had all these Christmas presents this year ordered on Amazon, we thought in good time, and we sent them through USA to Georgia, and of course, somehow this week, Everything ended up in customs, and most of our gifts are still in there. And we were not able to give our kids the Christmas that we had promised simply because there were things outside of our control. But that never happens to Jesus because all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to the Lord Christ. And his Father has exalted Jesus to the highest place. In the universe. And therefore, Jesus has more to offer than merely kind wishes and good thoughts. He rules the nations with a rod of iron. And therefore, the gates of hell cannot prevail, cannot stand against his church, against you 
and I. The power of Jesus is inexhaustible. And despite all the demands that we make on him and that hundreds of millions of Christians around the world make on Jesus every day, he's never drained, he never grows weak or tired, and his capacity, his divine fullness is it's unlimited and never grows less. And so today, at the end of this year, we rejoice that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same in his grace, the same in his love, the same in his sympathy, the same in his purpose, the same in his power. Jesus Christ never changes and never will change. And therefore, this unchanging Christ stands before his church today, before all of, before all of us who are so weak, so sinful, so fluctuating, so up and down, so unstable, so unfaithful. And he says, you change. You are like grass. You are like the mist. But I do not change. Therefore, come and lean yourselves completely on me. And therefore, how foolish not to be building on Jesus this coming year. How foolish to build on the sand instead of on the rock. Because without a firm, unyielding foundation, you can never be completely secure. And there's always going to be the nagging thought in the back of your mind that there's something you've forgotten, something that you cannot control something that will suddenly appear and devastate and destroy everything you've built your life upon. Let us resolve as we end 2020 and enter 2021 to strengthen our grip on our great shepherd, our great king, our great friend, the unchanging Jesus Christ. He is our refuge and our strength an ever-present help in trouble. And therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. We will not fear because the unchanging Christ is our refuge. You know, we have no idea, absolutely no idea, what 2021 holds for us. Things will change. And what a comfort, what a consolation when everything is shaking around us to look up, to lift our eyes, and to see our Lord Jesus Christ serene and unmoved above the flood. And if our head is above the water, the body cannot drown. And if Jesus is secure on his throne at the right hand of God, it doesn't matter what we're going through here below because we belong to Christ, the unchanging Christ. And therefore, all will be well. All will be well. All manner of things will be well because we belong to Christ. Shall we bow our heads and pray and ask the Holy Spirit to make these things real in our hearts. Father God, we confess that we are so weak, we are so movable, we're so fragile. And we ask, therefore, that you would 
fix our hearts more firmly on Jesus as we go into this next year. Lord, we do not know what you and your sovereignty have planned for us, whether there will be clouds or sunshine, but we do know that our Savior is holding our hand. And Lord, we pray that you would open our eyes by your Holy Spirit to see Jesus close to us, and to see him not as fragile and yielding and frail and fickle like we are, but strong and unchanging in his grace, in his love, in his sympathy, in his purpose, and in his power. Your son holds all things together. He is on the throne, and nothing happens without his permission. And we pray, Lord Jesus, that you would come quickly. In your mighty, unchanging name we pray. Amen. This podcast was from Tbilisi International Christian Fellowship. Learn more about us online at ticf-georgia.org. Thanks for listening.